Hello everyone, welcome to SecTools podcast by InfoSec Campus. I am your host of the show Sanup Thomas. This episode is going to be pretty exciting. I'm trying to keep um all content as much contents as possible in the same episode. It's 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 going to be very challenging for me. We have two uh, members from um Computer Incident Response Center Luxembourg joining us talking about a plethora of tools. Welcome Alex and Rafael to the show. Hello. Hi. Great. Thanks first of all for joining. I know this is going to be a bit challenging. So we'll keep uh, some of the 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 more popular or the high demand tools um and and then uh, we can discuss more about it. So before we start that I know a little bit about Alex. I am first time meeting Rafael. Um and the 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 way we interacted with Alex was pretty much uh non security thing. I was lucky enough to hear some uh, good experience from Alex regarding photography which is a common interest for us. Um so Alex, how did you get into security? It's going to be a long nostalgic talk about uh, speaking about how how to get into security, but yeah, go ahead. Well, that's a, that's a good one i mean uh, it's a long story i mean uh, i think I, i first touched computers when i was like 8 or 9 uh, so i was pretty young and would uh, maybe some of my colleagues might say that i'm old um so um yeah indeed i, I started uh, with with i would say computing programming and so on and uh, i was really into uh, into free software at, at really the beginning so i was really into, uh, into unix things like that mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, i was interested into um, uh, things like for example uh, um, exploitations uh, things like that into into unix system and so on and then i was starting to discuss with people when we were in t- teenagers so it was a times where people were doing war dialing uh, you know stuff like that and then uh, i started to be interested into uh, developing tools to do my uh, activities and so on and I started to develop various tools for unix and so on and it's where i really basically started on 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 security because you know if you use your tools to do like network scanning and so on i remember it's, it was like x x25 network scanning at that time so it's really long time ago so it's really when i, I started to be doing to computer and security mm-hmm. and then later i mean I, i was like doing i would see this work on a day to day basis and i was involved into uh, security in various companies startups and so on i was uh responsible for security in a, in a satellite operators um and then i end up uh co-founding the uh, CERT in Luxembourg and doing a lot of open source projects related to the security at the same time so which would be the talk of today i think right right you have seen how web evolved or rather how uh, the threat evolved uh, around internet <laughs> yeah exactly so i started with a modem and and dialing in uh, on, on using slip and, and ppp to to get access to uh, to some machines and then doing a uh, remote connections to to basically start on uh, getting ip addresses and then uh, uh, discover the first uh, world wide web at that time so uh, servers yeah. so was the access so it was really the early beginning and uh, yes awesome but awesome. Te- technically our security wise we didn't change that much i mean if you look at the uh, problem from the 80s Uh, we are still there i mean uh, the worm from robert morris is still not far away i mean if you look at the current worms and so on if you look at for example the exploitation of exchange servers mm-hmm. we are still at the same kind of problems where it's basically accessible to everyone and basically right. you can exploit it uh, so it's it's again a pity but on the same times nothing really changed rafael how about you how was your journey to infosec uh, so it started uh, around like 10 years ago almost to the day I, I think about it um when i did an internship with alex at the said um uh, satellite company 
So it was yeah, basically 10 years ago. Uh, and yeah, basically most of what I'm doing in, uh, in InfoSec and I've been doing for, for a while is uh, processing data sets and um, just like extracting interesting stuff out of them. Uh, so that's what like that's a lot of I maintain a lot of tools. Um, everything open source. I mean that's, that's just like the, the main policy. Uh, well, like there is no way you develop any closed source software when you work with Alex. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that's just what we are going to talk about today. Like a bunch of like the tools that we maintain at Circle. Um, and yeah, like we always try to like stick to the most recent threads and like the, basically developing useful tools. Uh, to solve actual problems that we encounter, um, either us or uh, partners we work with, um, just like in, in the field. So like with certs or with banks or with basically any companies that require some, some piece of software to solve a specific problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally what we discovered, and I mean, it's obvious, but like what we've been seeing for the last many, many years that like when someone has an issue, uh, many other organizations will have similar problems. So basically solving it with like developing open source software is going to help many people at once um, just by having something generic that anyone can use without having to pay to a vendor like every every year for like something that everyone ends up using in the end. Well, uh, malware analysis is not my daily driving task. Um, I'm, I'm more into the application security side, which is basically like more on the offensive of it, like, you know, doing pen testing and whatnot. But on and off, I did um, explored or rather used uh, some of the tools, which is very, very useful for a daily driver, like CV search, for example. It's like a small script, and, but it actually helps you, helps you to, you know, get things done uh, quickly. Also, VT tools was another example of it. Like, there are some really, really interesting tools from Circle. And, um, but before that, Rafael, fighting on malwares or threat analysis, for 10 years, um, happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I like the whole malware analysis part is something that I don't really do as much. Um, I mostly like most of what I'm doing is uh, basically getting like making production ready stuff out of scripts and just like basically scripts that are developed by colleagues or by like people in the in infosec on turning it into something that is like working long term and maintained and easy to install and just like so like making a piece of software that has been developed to solve a specific problem more generic yeah. um so what like the, the tool that you contacted us like about is pandora on this one is basically taking existing piece of code, existing libraries, putting them all together and giving something that is usable by someone who is less like knowledge and like how like our threats are, which kind of threats you can encounter. So and that's like a lot of what we develop at at Circle. It's basically making software that are use making software usable for people without having to spend too much time understanding the underlining functionalities and issues that you can have with them. Yeah, I mean, Pandora is definitely a good example for that kind of uh, work because often to to analyze on uh, documents and I mean, that's the major threat for a lot of uh, enterprises as well, you know, getting a file attachments and, you know, you don't know whether you need to download it or or, or view it. Um, it. It has any any threats associated with it or not. Um, and there are 
lot of tools already existing for doing document analysis but for a non tech person so for example like giving a pdf a cv uh, like a a resume file to an hr uh, they are not going to look into um, like a full document analysis tool or something but provided they have a web platform they can just drop the file and get the details and that's like a super simplifying a uh, solutions um yeah what was the driving force of building a web frameworks from all these tools so this specific tool was developed by a french bank for uh, for like many years and um, but they didn't necessarily have like resources to like maintain it long term mm-hmm. uh, so they contacted us last year to uh, to open source it so basically making it just like accessible for everyone and maintaining it long term and they had like a bunch of like changes to to do but basically like this one um is like the, the repository and the tool tool availability is really new for for everyone but the software itself was developed for quite a while and their use case is to have something that uh, they can have their employee and like just people working with them to, to upload like documents to um that are not just going basically publicly on the, on virus total for example or on like third party services because when they receive like I mean, they're a bank, so they will receive a lot of very personal, private information. I mean, can be anything, can be a resume, but can also be like a passport or an ID, like an ID card or um, bank, like statements and stuff like that. And those ones, you really don't want to get them publicly. But, I mean, various total is not public, but we know that just anyone, like you can, by the time you have an account on various total, you can just like search through documents and. if a bank starts uploading passports everyone who is a like a virus total account can get them ultimately so that's really bad um so they wanted something that they can have just hosted internally in their own network that their user can use just to have a quick feedback on what's happening with with documents um and again it's going to like filter out a lot of malicious stuff coming in it will de- obviously discover everything but the vast majority of uh, of malicious content will just be spotted by by a tool like that yeah. um and when they receive a document from a customer and they ask for a passport well they can just have a preview of that document on the platform and they can know okay that's that's what i was expecting so it's probably legit um so yeah that's just the their use case with that is something straightforward and easy that doesn't force them to share private information with third parties they don't really have control on going uh, a bit into the technicalities of pentora itself right and virus total is like a uh, the the major concern for my virus total using virus total for this kind of scenario is like you don't want your information goes to a third party website and hosting it uh, internally like a pandora systems how do you i mean how do you basically extract what is malicious and what is not malicious that is a this is a basic question for like a malware analysis like what how yeah. do you justify like this p uh, this p is malicious and this p is not malicious so for like for pes uh, we basically run the hash against virus so we just basically get the hash of the file and run it against virus total again malware uh, again uh, hybrid analysis uh, against uh, joe sandbox basically you can just like create your own workers that will just do requests against 
third-party services, but only by sending the hash and not the full file. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's for the for the PE. That's what's going to happen most of the time. And we okay. we are also adding like new features like Yara rules, for example. Mm-hmm. So like that's that's also a way to like detect malicious malicious contents. Um, but PEs. So basically, like it's relatively straight for PEs. It's relatively straightforward in a bank to say to your to your employees. If you receive an executable in your mailbox, do not open it. Mm-hmm. That is relatively straightforward. So this one, like the P, is is, is a, it's a useful feature for Pandora. Right. But the most important one will be Office documents, documents yeah. because they are going to receive a lot of Office documents all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's literally how they just exchange information inside the bank. So what Pandora is doing for those specific documents is looking for active content inside the document itself. So it's going to look for macros and all kinds of um, features in Office documents that are often used for uh, malicious activities. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will just extract that and give you a report telling you, okay, that document contains X, Y, and Z. And if you expect it, like if you expect that document contains a macro, well, you can decide if you want to open it or not. Um, but if you expect a document that is just like a resume and it contains a macro, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. You should probably not do anything with it. Yeah, that's that's one of the um, use cases I, w- I was actually thinking because uh, either you can disable the full macros and take the documents and sometimes uh, it's a very rare cases where the, doc- the, the document actually requires a macro and it's difficult mm-hmm. to uh, differentiate which one is yeah i mean space. it's yeah like documents containing macro like i personally think that you should never send by email a document containing a macro that is like legitimate like it shouldn't happen yeah, yeah. but there is what shouldn't happen and what actually happens in practice mm-hmm. um so yeah like it's it, it's gonna happen and at least it's going to give a warning to the user that they should at least think about it twice and maybe contact their uh, suck or contact someone who can help them about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's just like, it's just like a easy layer um, that you can use to just check what's happening with that specific document. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I can add something there, it's, I think it's, it's really the, the, the philosophy behind Pandora is, is to be able to plug additional tools. Um, the thing is, when you, you have basically um, uh, threats against specific kind of office document, it's evolving over time. And it's very, I would say, common to see those kind of, of open source tools being outdated because, you know, you have a specific thread at one point in time and then you have a new trick to abuse the XML macro then and then you have to find another tool to do it and so on to find it. And the Pandora philosophy behind is really to be able to plug all those different open source tools the one that are, I would say, on the edge, the one that are more recent. So, for example, if you look at the uh, Microsoft Wally 2 file parser that we have in Pandora or the XML uh, macro uh, defuscators, might work today, but might not work in the next two months or three months because, you know, you have new trident, so, which makes sense. But the problem is you don't want to uh, get rid of all your tool sets because you want to detect additional ones and so on. And really, the philosophy of Pandora is to easily plug, like Raphael was mentioning about Walker, to easily plug new uh, tools. So, for example, if you uh, write a new tool that is, for example, focusing on, I don't know, um, PDF document, uh, you are looking on specific object stream in the PDF document, then you can just add it there and add this as an additional one 
to cover specific trade that you know about, for example. Uh, and even if you don't want to share it, you can just create your own worker. So really, the, the, the idea is really, um, and is going to our philosophy of doing open source tools, is to be able to industrialize the tools. So that means we keep the tool on the long term, so it's maintained, used, and so on, and we plug additional tools. Uh, because it's, it's, it's very annoying for us as a security analyst and so on if we have to like each time changing our tool set and so on. So really the philosophy behind the, the tool is really to be able to plug additional tools. And thanks to the original uh, contributors and so on for, for this, they had this, all this in mind to have those kind of, of tools and so on uh, to be pluggables and to switch over uh, those ones. And each of those are, are basically uh, uh, very simple workers that you can add technically. Uh, for example, we have one that is plugged to our own tool set. Uh, so we have HLOOKUP, uh, which is a public database of all the known files that we know from Windows, Linux, and so on. And we use it as a, as a way to do lookup. So it's quite nice to, for example, find out if a document share is, for example, a template document that is already part of Microsoft Word, mm -hmm. which is interesting because you know, okay, this one is not uh, malicious, except if Microsoft is obviously distributing directly malware, which could happen, but it's rare. Um, but then you can you have already the, the tool set to... Uh, uh, to do it automatically and then to, to make a decision. And that's really the thing is to simplify the decision process. Even if you have, for example, uh, XML macro day obfuscator, I don't know if you have seen the output. Okay, if you are in the field, you know what's, what it's all about, but for end user, it's tough. So basically Pandora is basically collapsing all those kind of information into one single information and you have three options. Is it red? amber or green technically mm -hmm. and that's how to the user is can, can find out and we want to keep that framework kind of open so like that and, and, and make it open so like that people can just plug additional workers as, as they want uh, i think right now we have already 12 or 13 uh, workers um but it's it's really straightforward to add, to add new one the the work is i mean pretty impressive because it's a very um enterprise level application like as uh, rafael clearly mentioned it's a very production ready um, application and I, I get where it comes from because you're basically solving a problem of a bank which is very similar to a lot of other enterprises out there definitely like a big thanks for that work and this is a, a great help for a lot of other companies to kind of uh, plug in play um, and then solve the problem because a lot of companies actually speak about this problem but nobody have built a, a simplified solutions like this you know that everybody anybody and everybody can actually utilize it um, so it's a great work there Thank you very much. Uh, if you have any listener of the podcast, for example, that are interested to contribute, we will more, be more than eager to, to look at contribution ideas. So, for example, if you don't even know to contribute, so, for example, to make a pull request, but if you want to, for example, say, oh, yes, I know this kind of services there on the internet that is very cool. Could you integrate it? You can open an issue and then we can have a look at it. So, we are open on the kind of contribution. It's not only code. But it can be any kind of contribution, like bug report, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it could be useful for us at the end. Yeah, like we, we really want to connect it to as many tools as possible. And so we we'll like right now we mostly do detection. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'm basically just like uploading a file and then it's going to process it. But we want to add a feature to basically be able to forward an email to it. Mm -hmm. So just get an email, send it to to Pandora. Pandora extracts content. So attachments, but also like all the all the URLs and so on. And then we can like take those URLs and send them to other tools. 
And one of those outputs is Lukilo that we can talk about later if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and then down the line, we also want to be able to like take a, a task, like a like a, some some workers that some workers did on Pandora, and then export it to um, to tools to share it with third parties. Yeah. And in that case, we'll use MISP, obviously. Um, so yeah, like the goal to have it to have a whole ecosystem that can work together, like open source ecosystem that you can just set up like at will. You can just like pick, uh, cherry pick which kind of services you want to run and just have a whole, um, a whole infrastructure of like of like software that can uh, help you analyze uh, documents and analyze potential management content, get indicators out of them and ultimately share them with, um, with, with new organizations or with third parties. Um, and it's just like putting building blocks together, using APIs, connecting, connecting stuff, and uh, making it as easy as possible and as low maintenance as possible for um, for the end user, but also for the analysts and for the security engineer and so on. Yeah, I mean, they can definitely see the MISP is actually coming to the picture. It's going to be like really scalable for a very, very long years to come. Um, mm -hmm. And talking about that, while designing a tool, what's your approach? And I'm sure that Alex might have definitely a long years of experience contributed to designing an application. Uh, the more important part is like not uh, building an application for today, but it lasts for another maybe five, 10 years down the line. Um, at least the, the concept of it can last for a longer period of time. That's the, I mean, that's what actually make the projects more, more long lasting. What was your yeah, you, process around it? Yeah, you are really putting the point on, on the difficult aspect. Um, so when you design your tools, you have like, okay, you might have some crazy idea of designing your tool and so on. Um, even myself, I'm creating like an open source thing. So that's like, oh, it's, it's cool. It's solving my problems in, in like one, one or two seconds. That's great. It's but at the end, it's not usable anymore for, for others. So it's difficult to use. Uh, so the first thing is to really focus on a specific problem that you have on a regular basis. MISP was like that. So when we started to, to uh, design MISP, it was basically we were not able to share information between CCRT when we do when we did malware reversing. And that was really one of the first key problems that we had in MISP. Uh, so it was a very simple problem, but it, I would say it's a repeatable problem. So something that you can repeat and you have regularly. I think if you design a tools, really focus on that aspect. If you see that like, I don't know, your colleagues, uh, some neighbors, some friends, another company have the same problems, like, okay, there is an option there to do something. And if you can just already solve that problem, the rest will come. So that means you can organically grow and so on. Um, and I, I think it's the first aspect. The second aspect is to really welcome the contributors. Um, if you have people that are contributing, even critics, things like that, get all, all the information and use it in any way to improve your documentations, to uh, uh, improve the example code and so on is really, really, really important. But don't neglect that aspect because the critics are usually... There's always a, force, a form of truth behind. Even if the critics make no sense, sometimes there's something behind that, okay, maybe I should fix that. Uh, so be open to critics. This thing is quite, quite important too. And maybe a third, I'm not sure it's the last one, but I think it's, this one is, 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 is quite important too, uh, is to make the contribution as easy as possible. So like people can say, okay, if I'm running a tools, uh, it's easy to run for the first time and they don't give up. Because the thing is, if you have a GitHub repository, with a readme and you have an installation. If a security analyst tests it, it's already you are taking his time or her time to basically install this tool. So it takes like one or two hours. If you reduce that time, if you make it easy, 
they don't, if they don't give up, they will become contributors at some point in time. So I think it's really important to have a tool that is accessible. And I've seen a lot of improvement over time. Uh, now we have GitHub project or GitHub repository with a project with a proper readme files or to install. What is the goal of the tools? Uh, things like that. So, I mean, if you are designing your tools uh, or improving existing tools, don't hesitate to make it like easy for everyone. Having a screencast explaining that and so it's it's super important. Having, having a documentation make it easy to install. Uh, it's really the, the key to have a long term tools because you you get contributions, uh, and and you have to be perseverant. That's the thing uh, for the long term when you design tools. But and that's why I really like such kind of podcast because it's basically talking about the tool set. And usually some people are really uh, forgetting about the tool set. And the tool yeah. set is super important, especially not only for uh, InfoSec professional, but for artists and so on. Yeah. If you know the tools and so on, you can do your work as easy as possible. For the people who are actually coming to the open source world or InfoSec in general, what is your advice? I'll probably start with uh, Rafael. Um, well, be curious, look around. So when you come to, um, depending where, where you come from, if you either come to like from place you have a problem, you want to solve it, um, like spend time to look at what exists, like what is available and look at the open source software that are currently already uh, like there. Um, even if they don't necessarily solve your problem immediately, um, there is generally, you are generally not the first one to have a specific issue. So you can probably find building blocks at different places that will at least partially solve your problem. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's something that I've seen for like quite a few people who just like show up and want to like develop something and start again, everything from scratch over and over again, and then don't necessarily maintain it on the long term. So like that's definitely something that is important to tell. look at what is what exists and how you can just build an existing piece of software. Um, If you come from a place where you're not necessarily a developer, but like want to look at like what is just like what exists and how you want to set it up, like get in touch with the developers if you have questions. If you're not sure about like how they can do or can do X, Y, X, Y, and Z, like ask um, ask developers of software. Generally, just like the best is to go through GitHub and not necessarily drop like an email because it's like it's easy. Like when if you look at open source software and they're on GitHub. Like go for the issues and try to talk to people from there. It's 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 generally the best way to do it. Um, and yeah, just like be curious, look at look at what look at what exists is really like the main the main thing I would I would go with here. Okay. Um, yeah, Alex, I'm thinking of a social one. I would say because it's it's when you you go on GitHub and you you look at various projects, there are plenty of different projects doing okay. similar things and so on. But usually, don't always pick the best tools, but take the, the tools where the community is really happy and friendly and welcoming you. Because it's usually a good sign. That means they can improve, they can uh, receive commands, things like that. And I've seen in the security world, and that's, I think, a mistake from, from many of the maintainers, that they are a bit like, you know, uh, even for, for newcomers and so on, they are a bit like restrictive or saying that is not good, their contribution and so on. And they, they basically like uh, putting, uh, I would say, a lot of stones in the, in the path of the one that want to contribute, which is not really good. And I think if you have to select, and it's meaning a complement to what Rafael was saying, because about review the different tools, pick as a parameter the fact that the community is like much more, con uh, I would say, welcoming than the others. 
And I think this one is, is super important because it's, 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 if you, you start to work on a, on a, on a, on a tool, you basically spend time not with the tools, but with the people doing the tools. So if you have good friends around you, it's much better than having bad friends. Thanks for those wise advice. And thanks so much for joining the podcast and, and sharing your knowledge and experience with uh, Circle as well. And I'll definitely look into uh, more tools there. I'm definitely wishing more tools coming from your project teams. Thank you again for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you in the next month.